feel like I'm whispering all the time because this is very important. You put emphasis on everything. Emphasis. <laughs> Welcome, welcome to Chutzpah. I am so happy to be here. I uh, will admit today that I had a bit of a moment, realized the weight of the world, you know, gas prices, money, war, health. It's a tough time to be here, but I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And I'm so happy to be in the studio and to be with my guest today. We've got our beverages. There is a blanket handy, and we are about to get to some badass stories. But enough about me. I hope that you're happy wherever you are. And if you're not, don't look now. But I just chartered a paper airplane to flit and float along with you today. And whenever you need to pick me up, simply unfold it and there will be a message of encouragement or a joke or a friendly reminder to help you stay happy and clear-minded. Oh, and don't forget to refold it and toss it toward anyone else who needs it after you've read your message. All right, enough of that silliness. Put those markers down, folks. My guest is from Cleveland, Ohio, and has lived in Louisville since 2009. She has lived all across the world, from Ohio to California to Tasmania. Her interests span as wide as the Pacific. She is currently an adjunct lecturer at Bellarmine University. She is a theater director and has three masters, one in forensic science, one in directing, and one in digital media. Please welcome the incredibly talented Angela Miller. Hello. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. That's a very <laughs> lovely intro. It's very, I'm flattered by it. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, and I always have to mention that I am very proud to be able to call you Angela <laughs> because I have passed your tech theater class, which does give me the right to call you by your first name and not just Miss Miller, like. In the rest of the semester. <laughs> yes, it's very much celebrated <laughs> by is. many of my students. They have to like deprogram their brain to yes. be like, oh, wait, I can go into. You have to earn it. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. Is there yeah, anything? I, you I wanna... don't know if I need to explain that. Should we explain that? Like the, the reason I'm, why? Basically, when. So, Angela used to teach a tech theater class at Bellarmine University <laughs> that um, several generations of students will know and love. And right. while you were in the class, she was only known as Miss Miller and um, was right. the fantastic level of like supportive and a great teacher but also like you don't mess with her <laughs> so you really took the miss miller title seriously and then when you graduated well from that class you passed the class then you could call her angela so you would be surrounded when you would be in a production with some people who could call her angela and some people yeah, who couldn't that's true and it that's was a true. measure of status <laughs> Like, oh, I didn't based know that. on what you called her and how you could refer to her, determined how others looked at you. Oh, that's so funny. So everybody knew you were in my class because you were yep. calling me Ms. Yep. Miller. And that's everyone so knew that you weren't, like, done with the class. That you were still a newbie yes. kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I had to do that for actually for safety reasons, which was which was interesting because it was um, – it was – I had to – because it, it was also – I was also teaching, like, acting classes and all that. Mm -hmm. And for those, those are fun classes. So. Yep. Um, calling me Angela was totally fine, yeah. but there were certain moments in tech theater when mm -hmm. every, when you were hanging, you know, yeah. instruments and 
focusing them or moving scenery or whatever have you. And so I had to like set a mentality of, of, okay, this is serious and people can actually die right? Um, if you do something wrong. And so I kind of had to do a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was just the, the, yeah, you had to kind of approach that class a little bit more serious because it's not, you know, it's fun, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, if you don't. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember like climbing like up same... to change a light for the first time and being like, it's no. terrifying. <laughs> yes. I know. I know. I felt so bad for students. I was like, you could do it. You could yep. do it. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was one of those situations where if somebody was in a dangerous situation, I had to have them stop and listen Yeah. Um, to make sure that, you know, hey, you should be on that ladder without shoes right. or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. You can have fun, but you don't want to kill grandma. Right. So <laughs> I think that was the, you know that one. Yep. I've used that yep. one many, many times. These lights go over somebody's grandma. Mm-hmm. So, because everybody always looks at it as, um, well, if it's me underneath it, you know, uh, when you're younger, you're like, oh, whatever, it's no big deal. But as mm-hmm. soon as you put it above somebody's grandma, yeah. um, and, and all of a sudden you're like, what? Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I got to know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it was always like figuring out at home being like, okay, so what would be like devastating right? <laughs> for, for students to, so that I can actually, so they listen to me in you know, kind of situation. What would be terrible, you know, which is just terrible. I suppose my background in forensics helped yeah. <laughs> with that, dealing with crime scenes. I, definitely. Well, so you've got such a wide background. Yeah. You've obviously been a great guide and teacher for so many students. So that's, that's I think, a good segue to the first question, which is where does your confidence come from and how do you maintain that? Oh, it's so funny. Um, you know, I, I received in in uh, college when I was an undergrad um, at Xavier, I, I was asked to be a um, – an RA, when I was a sophomore, so I, I had applied when I was a sophomore, my sophomore and junior year, I was an RA in the in the dorms. But my sophomore year, I was placed in a senior dorm. Oh. I know, right? And so I was like, uh, okay. And so they were like, no, you did really well. And so so it's great. And so the, the um, uh, uh, her name was, I think it was Dana. And she gave me a little like saying card, postcard mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it said, uh, be brave. Nobody can tell the difference. And so I <laughs> held on to that for the longest time because I was like, okay. And so, I, you know, I basically. Real quick. So uh, after our recording, Angela emailed me and let me know that the quote that she's referencing here is actually, be brave, even if you're not. No one can tell the difference. Um, And apparently it is from Jackson Brown Jr. So just wanted to correct that. She's she's pretty close, but now we know the real quote. Never put my like sophomore status on display. Mm -hmm. You know, I would always um, kind of uh, uh, approach it in a way of, you know, or I would imagine like, what would my sister do or what, you know what I mean? You think of the role models and that kind of stuff and just observation of other people around you. Um, and so I think a lot of that, that, you know, be brave, nobody can tell that you're, you know, pretty much scared shitless right. kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. So I think I held on to that saying, cause it's, it's, it's really, you know, what is confidence that's kind of coming into a situation and not pretending that you know everything, but willing to learn and, you know, observe and do what, what you're doing. So, you know, anytime I, when I first started teaching and all that, it was, um, just a matter of having, you know, 
honest and truthful goals of like, hey, this is what I know. Let's see what we can learn. So mm-hmm. that's kind of I, 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 you know, I think that's probably where I get it from. Is that know. still your like daily mantra? Do you do anything, you know, when you wake oh, up in the morning, some people like pray or just look in the mirror and say something <laughs> nice to themselves or. Oh, wow. That's so funny. That's like, it's like self-care and maybe it's a Gen yeah. X in me where like the, the baby boomers of our, you know, uh, that were before us had, had kind of taken it out of us because <laughs> we don't yeah. self-care at all. Um, we're we're just busy that? recovering, you know. <laughs> Um, we're just like, we've been bullied all of our lives. So now we're just, you know, we're the messed up generation, you know, the Gen X. Um, but, um, so I don't really, I, I think it's funny. I don't think about it. I know that, do you know where my confidence, I do stuff that I love, you know, and I think that's really, really where it, it shines the most. If you were to throw me in a job where I'm miserable, I think I would have to do that. I would have to like look at a mirror or um, pray to a higher power. Oh my God, you know, but I've been so fortunate to not like dread going into, you know, work. Um, I learned that from my dad. He's like, don't, if you're dreading and and there's stuff that you don't, I like grading and all that kind of stuff and papers or whatever Mm -hmm. have you. But so there's always, you know, stuff you don't enjoy but you can tell the difference between like not enjoying and dreading. Like yes. if you are dreading, you want to crawl under the bed and it's lasting, you know, weeks. Um, that's kind of the sign of like, hey, you know, um, um, maybe this isn't for you. And so, yeah, so maybe that's that's instead of like a mantra, that kind mm-hmm. of, I just I just make sure that I'm doing something that I love. Um, and that's teaching and directing and, you know, all sorts of that fun stuff. So. I guess. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> that's why I was like, I wish I could say that I have some sort of process. No, but I don't. I like, don't. Yeah. It's funny. That's like through talking to so many people about that question, it is very, it's varied. And there's yeah. obviously like not a correct answer. And my, the last person I actually spoke to followed up with a great question, which was, does it have to be consistent? She's like, I do things in the Mm -hmm. morning that set me off on the right foot, but like, do I do them every day? Like, no. And so, but that's part of it, right? Sometimes we default to thinking, well, I don't do anything every single day. So I guess I don't do anything. And it's like, no, that's not true. What happened to all the things you do? Right. Exactly. Even if it's not every day. Yeah. So yeah, it's it. That's why I like. And if you don't, and there's a lot of times you're like, I don't have time for that today. Right, <laughs> exactly. I'm running yeah. late. You know yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm one of those personalities. There are personalities too that do really well in routines. Like yes. my Jeff, he's like routine. He mm-hmm. loves his 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 routines. And for me, no matter how hard I try, I cannot keep a routine <laughs> to save my life. Which is probably why I'm always like, Where are my keys? Where are my phone? Oh, I gotta get that. Oh, we gotta do that. What are we doing? Are we hanging lights today? Oh yeah, okay, we're doing. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's a, it's a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff. Classes keep me on routine, which is mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. Some people, you know, do well with that, and and some people are just life. You know, the organized chaos. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> life interrupt us. <laughs> so, was there any time in particular where you feel like you had a lot of chutzpah and? Maybe like spoke out about something or maybe you put your foot in your mouth because this was not always a good thing, but um, (laughs) maybe it is for your story. Um, For me, and and, uh, I think the the biggest kind of the the biggest first chutzpah 
was deciding to, and you've probably heard this story in the beginning of, of class, because um, I, I like to tell it to my students because um, a lot of them are, are coming into college uh, or university and they're all thinking about, oh my God, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? And it's like that for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely terrifying. Um, especially for somebody like me who, you know, wasn't born wanting to be a lawyer or a doctor or something along those lines, which my sisters were. They were all, you know, lawyers and doctors and scientists and grew up wanting to be just that. And I was like, oh, look at the pretty flowers. (laughs) Um, And so it was very much. Relatable. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, And so I think the first time, because I had followed through undergrad um, and even into grad school, which is why I have that weird, the forensics, right? Um, you know, that was the, the science kind of the right brain. Um, I know it's not right and left brain anymore. There's blends everywhere, but the more logical side, um, or the real job, I put the air quotes, Mm -hmm. right. Um, the, the real job way of thing was when, when I was looking at the forensics and, and, um, especially crime scene. And this was before, CSI and all the the crime mm-hmm. scene stuff. So this is back in the I don't know. I'm going to age myself. Back in the <laughs> early '90s, um, before the Stone Age, um, and so during you know the the that time period, I had just finished because I had moved out to to San Diego. Got my undergrad, moved out to San Diego to get my master's uh, in forensic science, and I had I had just finished it, and. It was at that point in time because I was um, interning at the San Diego PD during the day and I was working at the Old Globe Theater at night. I had started there as a bartender and then eventually house managed and eventually moved backstage and all that kind of stuff. So I was literally, you know, processing evidence in the morning um, doing, you know, the same thing every day. You go in, you know, um, uh, it was it was up on the sixth floor. So you would go in, you go up to the sixth floor and you get this card that had some information for evidence. You go down in the basement because that's where all the evidence was. Um, you give it to a person. He would go like back into the shelf somewhere and come out with like random evidence. Give it to you. You take it back up to the sixth floor you know, walk into this room and it's like green walls. And it was the old 70s, like green metal doors. I know it was just terrible. No windows, nothing. And you'd walk past this like sticky floor because you didn't want to drag, you know, take stuff in there, evidence in there because it was all, um, I mean, it was it was the way it was supposed to be. That's that's mm-hmm. how, you know, forensics was. And then you would take whatever this, you know, it could be a cup. It could be, um, it wasn't a phone, phones didn't exist. It, it would be, you know, uh, CDs or something along those lines. And you would set it down, you'd pull out a book and follow a process in which to, you know, cyanoacrylate, superglue, or something along those lines. And you just watch the clock, put it in the fish bowl, a fish tank. Um, and you, you would process it and watch, watch the clock and, you know, go through the steps. You initial and date everything, take all that evidence back downstairs, and you'd never see or hear of it. And then in the evening, I would be, (laughs) at that point in time, I was working the full Monty. And I was literally, I I was a dresser. And yes, there was, there was, they had to wear clothes to take off. Um, But um, I was a a dresser backstage and um, 
wardrobe. I've, I've said dresser before, and people are like, you mean the thing with drawers? Right. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, no, not, not, not a thing with drawers. I, I was in wardrobe, and I had kind of – I had no idea what I was doing. I was um, – uh, I had just started there, and I had a science background, so I had – no theater background, you know, maybe an acting class in undergrad or whatever. Um, and so I knew very little about uh, theater. And here I was running around dressing these these professional actors. And so I'd be at the theater, you know, uh, one day I'm, I'm, I'm processing or during the day I'm processing evidence. During the night, I'm on my knees sweating as this lady is holding her corset together and I'm trying to hook it up. She's holding her breasts mm-hmm. and I'm like looking up at her, you know, trying to get a quick change right. with a corset. And she's just like, come on, baby, you can do this. You can do this. You know, and I'm like, why am I here? What am I doing? Oh, my God. Um, and during the day, it was slow as molasses. And at night, it just flew. And it was at that point in time, I loved it. And the more I wanted to do theater. So I had to, and this is where the chutzpah comes in. I had to tell my dad <clears throat> and, you know, my, my dad, this, because it was literally giving up a $40,000 a year job for a $6 an hour job. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even think it was $6 yet. Um, and, and, you know, I'm in San Diego and all my family's in Cleveland. <laughs> I'm the youngest of four girls. Um, so, so I was very close to my dad and, and he was very much like, how are you going to eat? You know, mm-hmm. how are you going to pay for rent? Cause, and I, he was like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I was like, you know, dad, this is something that I love and I'm so glad that I had finished it. So that was the important thing. I didn't just shift. I finished my degree in forensic. So, um, even when I got to the tail end of it, I, I powered through, the, you know, my, the thesis and all that kind of stuff, um, because I wanted to complete it. Cause you know, you had, I had started and I wanted to complete it. Um, and so that was important and that took a lot of chutzpah in the sense of like, I can do this. Um, but then giving it all up to shift gears completely and say, dad, I'm, I'm going to be okay. And my dad, God love him. He was like, Okay, honey, I I trust you. If you need anything, you just call. And I'm pretty sure for the next year he was, you know, for, every time I called him, he was like, "Oh, here it comes, here it comes." And but I stayed, and I regret nothing. You know, I absolutely, I never looked back. Um, you know, started backstage, and then for the next, you know, almost ten years, I just learned everything. My education was working at that theater, learning everything backstage and wherever I could go and um, living off of, you know, cereal and tuna fish sandwiches and <laughs> whatever you could get at Starbucks, you know, for free kind yeah. of a thing. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was probably the, uh, one of the hardest decisions um, at that time when it comes to like career wise. And it mm-hmm. took a lot of chutzpah and I, and it took me a lot of like, you know, when letting my dad know, you know, hey, we're going to yep. do that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's there's a lot of other things that that, you know, um, with folks, with parents and having to to have those conversations. And this is very minor. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, but You're across the country, yeah, exactly. totally changing careers. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have You're a degree like, in what I want to do. Keep putting clothes on semi-naked people every it's, night. Yes, it's gonna yes. be great, Dad. Yes, for for ten years. That's that's basically what I told people. People, are like, what do you do? And I, I clean other people's sock and socks mm. and underwear. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically what I, what I do, and we do quick changes. Is you it, know, is backstage. it vodka? Is that what gets the stain? Yeah, and smell? vodka gets the smell out. Yeah. Vodka gets the smell. Yeah. So you would, you would spray vodka and water. Um, it would have write to be really, down. really, yeah, write that down. Um, we would get it from Mexico because it was cheap um, and kind of watered down. So you, you would, they, and I, I always wonder if they got really crappy vodka so that nobody would drink it. Right. Because it would be like That's terrible. some good forward thinking. I know, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, somebody learned. Um, but yeah, you, you would spray um, the armpits. We would just put vodka in you know those big water bottles and and you can do that you can sanitize so don't buy the febreze (laughs) go buy some bottom shelf vodka and it's great it takes the smell out so yeah a lot of that job was you know working with people actors Mm -hmm. adapting it was blast loved it so do you think um part of the what was most of the draw people (laughs) as opposed to evidence or more of what you're doing with the people right because sometimes the exhilaration for some is just like oh my gosh i get to talk to somebody honestly that was me today i came home and i was like oh my god person (laughs) somebody to talk to yeah, yeah yeah but for others that's not quite it it's the fact that you have to have everything within seconds of like someone has to be on and off stage you have to have everything ready if you're not ready they are going to look like an idiot and it's going to affect the whole thing. So what do you think was the most motivating part for you? Okay. So, and and you're going to love this because it's a two part question. So for the forensics part of it, um, what, when I, I, it's so funny when I got to the point where I knew everything and I knew I could, um, process a crime scene or I knew I could be able to, take a job mm-hmm. uh, um, at the San Diego PD, obviously going through training and all that kind of stuff, of course, because I had interned um, for a little over a year. But, um, you know, once I got to the point and I'd finished my master's and I had um, gotten to that point where I was like, okay, I can do this. I actually stopped and said, do I want to do this? And it was one of those situations where uh, uh, um, that type of job processing crime scenes being a forensic tech it looks really cool on csi yeah um csi is kind of inaccurate uh don't look at me csi miami kills me i know you remember me going oh god this terrible um uh look at ncis um if if you want to know like good they do a good job with the the forensic stuff i don't get as angry um but the the it looks really, really cool, but it's a really, really hard job to do because you are brought into um, most folks' worst nightmare. Like, y- y- you're not showing up because something good has happened, right? It's an accident. It's a, um, and it's not always a murder. It can be just, you know, um, 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 somebody has been attacked or some, or, um, st- stuff has been stolen if it's a, a robbery or something along those lines where it's, you know, a person. Um, and even so that was the actual evidence tech part of it. 
And when I had started at the San Diego PD, they had started doing something really smart there. They started to rotate people's positions there so that people wouldn't just be evidence tech all the time. The wear and tear. Yeah. I can honestly say I, most of the people that I met at that time were either divorced or estranged or struggling or, you know, and, and a lot of them said that, you know, certain jobs, certain positions um, take a toll, you know, um, being in the lab. I know that the fingerprint, cause I was in the fingerprint department, not so much there because you're almost a little bit detached. You're looking yeah. at lines yeah. and, um, and there are, I assume there are other segments cause I didn't work in every single department up there, but I did work in the evidence tech and going to the crime scenes and processing the crime yeah. scenes. That's really, really tough. So I got into the point where I was like, okay, I know I can do this, but I don't know what this would do to me. Mm-hmm. So it was literally like, could I not bring this home? And I know me, <laughs> there's no way in hell that I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be a wreck. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Um, and I was terrified of certain scenes. Like I never had to go to a scene with a kid. I never had to go to a scene with a, a grandparent. Um, and I'm so forever grateful for that because I can't imagine. I mean, I know I could do it, but I don't know how I would, whether I would be okay when I got home. You know yeah. what I mean? So that was definitely one aspect of it. The other aspect of it was just like you said, you know, a time flew. I was problem solving all the time. Um, It was fast. There was a huge sense of collaboration. Like Mm -hmm. it didn't matter. Like liking people does not matter when you're backstage. Um, Getting along doesn't matter backstage. Everybody has the same goal and you get it done. You know what I mean? And so there was that instant almost family and you yeah I suppose family is a good way of putting it because there's some family members you get along with and some you don't Mm -hmm. and so yeah you have this instant family in which folks are very much dependent upon you so I felt like um not only was it better for me but I was also you know involved in the the best part of people's lives as well and I'm you know making folks happy and feel and think and you know, it's not just, you know, making the actors look good, but hearing the audience and kind of when you're backstage, you live vicariously through the actors, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you're cheering for them. You're rooting for them. So you even the 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 a lot of folks don't realize, like when you're backstage and you hear audience and cheering and all that kind of stuff, um, you know that there's a standing ovation because you can hear the chairs flip mm-hmm. up when you're yep. downstage. Yep. And it's like, you know, the thump of joy kind of a thing. And, and everybody is, you know, um, uh, so happy. Um, and so it's a, it, it's a, it really is, was, you know, that there's two sides of the coins. One was fascinating scientifically and the other one was, was challenging um, you know, and wonderful emotionally as well. So, yeah, I think it was, it was, it was the combination, like you said, the, the, the things versus the, the people, um, as well in there. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Did I answer your question or did I go way around? Okay. Yeah. No, that answers the question. (laughs) And it's kind of along the same lines of like our last question today is just what did you learn from it? And Mm -hmm. did you apply any of those lessons to other things in your life too? Um, I I think that the, the best way I applied it is by being able to switch gears 
And it's funny because now switching gears is is much more common. Like I, I, it's it's when they have we're in the the time of the great resignation. I think they, they call yeah, it yeah. right. Um, and so that whole concept of of going through a f- you know, full master's degree. So you're going four, five, six, um, almost seven years of education, and then totally shifting gears. At that time, was unheard of. Mm-hmm. And that was the very first thing that I had to take to my students because I had to say, so I really carried that along because I had to, I really wanted to assure them because when I was in college, I, I liked communications. I liked theater. I liked psychology. I liked um, criminal justice, mm-hmm. um, all of that. And I was terrified because I, I, I felt as if I had to make that decision right then and there. Yes. For the rest of my life, you know, and if I didn't, somehow my life was going to be screwed up. And so I was so happy to like when I started teaching to like be able to tell everybody your life's not going to be screwed up. You mm-hmm. don't have to figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life. Um, and, you know, the most interesting people. And I think this is a quote. The most interesting people we know still haven't decided, yeah. you know, what they want to do for the rest of their lives. So um, I think that's the biggest lesson and and to pay it forward is the other big thing so in the theater giving props um is a saying it's it's um like giving credit where credit Mm -hmm. is due um so you always want to give props um and and so it's 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 being able to pay that forward i've been so fortunate because making that shift i had so many people helping out and opportunities like, oh my gosh, I never would have survived without the opportunities that I had. And so I was really, really fortunate. And I didn't realize even getting the job at the Globe, I was like, well, okay, it was bartending, you know, (laughs) didn't think anything of it. And so, yeah, having, being able to get those opportunities, paying it forward. Um, I think when you pay it forward, you kind of share your chutzpah with others, you know, maybe that's a, you can make a term out of it, sharing your chutzpah, it's, you know, kind of a thing. I, we've already invented several words here. Oh, really? Yeah. Chutzpahrific <laughs> oh, was yeah. one. Chutzpahic came up today. That's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so we'll have to think about like <laughs> like how we're going to do like the chutzpah forward. Yeah. And you'd like spell it with like, you know, H, phlegm, phlegm, S-P-A, forward. <laughs> you know it'd be like right so yeah so it's gonna be on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and then you know it has like a website cool so can you get suggestions instagram yeah so people can always message me on instagram yes awesome so if you can think of a way to combine chutzpah pangs paying forward the chutzpah you know that you have and and foots. I know. Hoots prop. Hoops prop. Ho- like, oh, props oh, to giving you. props to you. Hoots props. Hoots props. There you go. I like it. That's something. Yeah. It's it's something. Hoots props. Just the first idea. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the last one. No. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So pay forward your chutzpah. It's it should be shared. Yes. Um. So I always like to review what did we learn here today, and we learned. So many different things. We learned how to process a crime scene a little bit. So if you took <laughs> notes during that, that might be useful. Um, we learned that you don't have to know 
what you want to do for the rest of your life at the age of 20. That's just silly. It's okay to not know. And it's okay to wander around until you find it and take advantage of all the opportunities that come your way. We also learned that you can turn the word chutzpah into many other variations. And I really <laughs> want to keep thinking about that. So please send me your ideas. If you like this show, you may also enjoy Dyslexics Untied a podcast hosted by my boyfriend, Jacob Schumann, and Dr. Sean Apostle from Bellarmine University. Don't forget that if you are a hustler, a business owner, generally a happening person, you can get stickers made to rep you or your organization in town here in Louisville from Squidprint. And if you mention chutzpah, you are going to get 20% off your sticker order. They are so affordable, very high quality, and so local. It's a no-brainer. Go check them out. But for now, take care of yourselves, everyone. And uh, don't forget that our theme music is from a group called Crow Wonder, and the song is called Humbug. I'm Bridget Bard. Shalom. Shalom.